apparently the time that those commandments were given. Uh, we won't go through the Ten Commandments. You know them all in order and, and can say them. You'd be amazed how many people think they know them and they, you ask them to say them and they, they can't get them all spit out. Anyway, uh, the people saw verse 18 of chapter 20 in Exodus. They saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains smoking and they backed way back. They said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but don't let God speak or we'll die. So Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. So God used some scare tactics here. When you're working with Israelites, you have to try various and sundry means of getting and keeping their attention. <laughs> it's just, uh, we're a stiff-necked people. So God gave them a really good scare, and they were afraid they were going to die. I wonder how long this lasted. I'm going to skip through some of this. He gave different laws and ordinances here, and that isn't germane to the story that we're reading. So let's go on down to chapter 23. Uh, here in 14, he says, Three times shall you keep a feast unto me in the year, and none shall appear empty, uh, and names the three feast seasons. And then comes down to 19, The first of the fir first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the eternal your God. Uh, you shall not see a kid in his mother's milk. And he makes an interesting statement here in verse 20. <clears throat> because he's have, having trouble getting them to obey. He's having a great deal of trouble uh, keeping them in line. They murmured, they complained. Well, Moses had been sent, who had been trained by God to lead them, and they weren't taking too well to his leadership. So he said in verse 20, Behold, I send a messenger before you to keep you in the way. So he says, I'm going to send a man to help keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Now, he had been working with Moses, and the story is going to change, uh, and Moses does not go in, but Joshua was his, in a sense, right-hand man. Uh, Aaron was the high priest, but Joshua was working very closely there with Moses and even went partway up the mount with him. So he says, I'm going to prepare somebody. And then he says, Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So, here God shows, again, as He does all through the Bible, and including the New Testament, that He works through men, and He was going to again. And uh, that's true of the end time as well. And we better pay attention when God sets things up. We'll find that they did not here shortly, and things got worse for them again. Then He said, if you'll pay attention, that's good. If you'll obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. And his angel would go forth and get rid of all the enemies. Now, that's a pretty good promise. 
have utter security, and you'll have bread and water. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Some of the things they'd already complained about up to this point. He's promising he will take care of if they will follow the servant that he sets in place. And your young won't abort, and so on and so forth. And he would drive the people out of the land uh, year by year, lest the beast destroyed them. <coughs> so, you have some pretty nice promises here. Uh, then in chapter 24, all the words which the Lord has said will we do, verse 3. So they accepted that, and Moses wrote all the words of the Eternal and rose up early in the morning and built an altar. Uh, verse 7, he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people, and they said, all that the Eternal has said will we do and be obedient. wonder why the New Testament apostles wrote, be you not hearers, but doers of the word. Uh, had he read some of this back here? Probably so. Because they were continually saying, Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We'll do anything you say. Just, just let us know. All right. Then he gives a, a, a lot of uh, different instructions here. And I want to skip on to chapter 32 and kind of follow the storyline of Israel. That's kind of what we're after here, not just all the ordinances and the various rules and the building of the ark and all of that, but but uh, a story of the people of God trying to come out of sin. That's the theme of these days, and that's the meet and do season. So that's the story we're picking out here. So in chapter 32... When the people saw Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, he'd gone up to get the Ten Commandments. This is the story of that. The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, get up, Aaron. Make us gods which shall go before us. Now, didn't we just read that God said he would send leaders and the people said, We'll do whatever they say. So Moses disappears for a little while here. And they say, Aaron, we need new gods. For this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Mitzrayim, we don't know what's become of him. Uh, he's gone. We haven't seen him in days now. So we need some new gods and, and we need some leadership here. So Aaron was faithful to God and to Moses and says, Oh no, you've got to wait for Moses to come down from the mountain. Everything will be okay. Is that what you read? <laughs> Aaron said to them, verse 2, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people broke off all their earrings, uh, received them at their hand, and he made a molten calf. Now notice, he made a molten calf. Aaron did. That's not the story he gives Moses a little later. They said, These be your gods, O Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Mitzrayim. They'd forgotten Christ killing the firstborn. They'd forgotten the ten plagues. They'd forgotten the Red Sea. They'd forgotten the tree thrown in the waters at Marah. They'd forgotten the quail. They'd forgotten the manna, which they were still eating. 
These, these pieces of gold melted into a calf brought us out. I don't know how a golden calf is going to trot along in front of you. I'm not, not sure exactly how that would work. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Oh, made a proclamation and declared a feast to the eternal. Now, there's some presumption for you. In some ways, there's a lot to learn from this. God must be an awfully merciful God. Look at the presumption that Aaron is showing here. And he wasn't snuffed out. God sometimes is pretty long-suffering and merciful and tries to preserve the leaders that he sets. And we need to keep that in mind. Anyway, the people bought their burnt offerings to the gold calf, and they sat down to eat and to drink, and then they rose up to play. They were going to party. Now, if you're serving, I don't remember them while they were serving the eternal God, uh, having a great big feast, and then rising up to play. But when you substitute Satan for the true God and make an image of him as a golden calf, then your conduct takes on a, a, a different approach. We'll see how far it went here in a moment. The Eternal said to Moses, Go get you down, for the people which you brought out of the land of Mitzrayim have corrupted themselves. Didn't take long, did it? Uh, they've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made a molten calf. They've worshipped it. They're saying that that's their God. And God said to Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Never changed. Hosea said they were like a backsliding heifer, all four feet planted, and you chug it on the rope as hard as you can, and they won't come forward. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make you a great nation. He's saying, these are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're so stiff-necked and rebellious. I'm, I've had it with them. Uh, you've, you've obeyed me, uh, so I'll make you a great nation. And Moses besought the Eternal, his God, and said, Lord, why does your wrath wax hot against the people which you've brought forth out of the land of Mitzrayim with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, hey, God took them that far and then they all died out there. He couldn't handle them, and they couldn't handle God, and that thing all fell apart, and now they're all dead. So he said, Remember, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I'll multiply you as the stars of heaven, and so on. And so God backed off of the evil which he thought to do to his people. He, they came that close to all being wiped out. That close. God said, I'm going to do it. When God says He's going to do something, uh, it usually happens. <laughs> it usually does. Here Moses stood up for the people, and God listened to Moses. If Moses hadn't done that, I think they'd have all been crispy. So Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and he had the tables in his hand written on both sides and so on. And 
Joshua was with him, and they were hearing noises down there. One of them said, well, sounds like war. And somebody else, was it Moses or Joshua, I don't remember, said, no, that sounds like playing to me. Uh, so as they came near, verse 19, they saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses, ang- Moses got angry now. <laughs> he had helped turn God's anger away, and now he got hot. And he threw God's commandments and broke them on the mountain. They weren't keeping them, weren't going to keep them. He got so angry, he actually broke God's commandments. And he took the calf, which they had made, he burned it in the fire, and he ground it to powder, and strewed it on the water, and made them drink their God. That was a fit way to do it. You drink the God, and then that God goes through your system and comes out the other end in a very vile form. That was the fate of their gods. And Aaron said, verse 22, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. You know the people that they are set on mischief. This is all their fault now, Aaron says. I, I didn't really have anything to do with it. For they said to me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For this man Moses, we, we don't know where he is. And I said to them, Whosoever has any gold, let them break it off. I'm just doing what they wanted, you know. Uh, then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Like it was a miracle that you just threw it all in the fire, and this calf formed and came out of the fire. I just read a little bit ago that he had made it and formed it. So he lied about what had happened there. Now, this gets worse. Verse 25 And when Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Now, we're talking three and a half to five and a half million people here now. All of them naked and dancing. I suspect this is the greatest, largest orgy in mankind's history. Right there after saying, we'll keep your commandments and do everything you say. Wasn't really innocent. And Aaron had helped lead them into dropping their clothes and dancing naked. Says so right there. I'm surprised Aaron's still around. So Moses stood up and said, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites came. And he said, all right. Take every man his sword and go and slay people, your neighbors and so on. So they killed about 3,000 men, verse 28. That ought to get somebody's attention, 3,000 bodies lying there bleeding out. It came to pass, verse 30, on the morrow that Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now... Uh, I will go up to the eternal, and maybe I can make an atonement for your sin. Maybe, maybe God will listen. Well, God had already listened to him, and God knew what was going on. Then Moses got mad and had 3,000 killed, and now he's going to go up and see what God's final judgment is going to be. So we went back to God, verse 31, and said, This people have sinned a great sin. I see what you were upset about now, <laughs> you know. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, 
And if not, blot me, I pray you, out of your book which you have written. So he cared, uh, even at this point, more than they realized he did. They didn't think he cared about them at all, and he'd gone off and left them. Uh, But he was willing to offer himself as a sacrifice if God would spare them. The Eternal said to Moses, Whosoever has sinned against him will I blot out, or against me, I'll blot out of my book. Lead the place to the people to the place which I've spoken to you. My angel will go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Eternal plagued the people because they had made the calf which Aaron made. So, 3,000 died by the sword. And it doesn't give the figures here about how many died in this plague that God laid upon them. But a plague is serious. A lot of people get sick and a lot of people die. Well, let's go to chapter 34. Uh, Moses goes back up. He'd broken the commandments. So he goes back up to uh, get another set, God tells him. And... uh, Verse 9, he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Eternal, let my Lord, I pray you, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Now, somewhere here God had said that uh, you, can, you can go on, but I'm not coming with you. You know, you're on your own. I promise you'd go there, so go. But I'm not going. So Moses is pleading with him to come along with them after all. Uh, and then God goes on down to say that they weren't to make any covenants, any agreements, any alliances with uh, the Gentiles that would be around them. Uh, why are we called a great whore here at the end time? Because we have made treaties and had affairs with all the Gentile nations of the world. That was never God's uh, desire. He said, don't Set up alliances with them, but destroy their altars. Break their images. Cut down their groves, verse 13. For you shall worship no other god. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Have you ever really thought about that or paid attention to it, that one of God's names is Jealous? Now, he doesn't like human jealousy. But he made us. And he's jealous of us. He's jealous of his church. And when Satan comes after it, it's not going to go too well. All right, uh, a lot more here uh, about the various uh, ordinances. Let's go to the book of Numbers and kind of pick up the story here in Numbers 12. They haven't gotten to the promised land yet, but they have some more lessons they haven't learned. Uh, Here in Numbers 12 is a good place to start on that. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, this was something that Moses probably should not have done in terms of what God had instructed them. But he had seen one, and he liked her, and he went ahead and married her. Now, God hasn't done a thing about it. Moses had served him faithfully, and Moses may have indeed made a mistake here. Uh, Don't know for sure. There are people who try to 
say that Moses didn't really marry an Ethiopian, but there was an Israelite woman living in Ethiopia, and on and on it goes. But Miriam and Aaron knew of this woman. And in their eyes, it was illegal. So I think there's a good chance that it was illegal. Well, that was between Moses and God, right? God is the one that made the rules. Moses was his servant. So God should have dealt with Moses as God so chose. But people don't always see it God's way. And they said, Has he eternal indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the eternal heard it. We've talked to God. We pray to God. Hasn't He heard us? Some of what goes around and round and round surfaces over and over and over. It has in every age of the history of Israel and the church where there are some who say, who does He think He is? Hasn't God spoken through us? And they said... Has the Eternal indeed spoken only by Moses? Hasn't He spoken by us? Not only has He heard us, but He's spoken by us. We're all equal. The congregation is equal. There is no leadership. Let's see how this turns out. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And the Eternal spoke suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam. And he said, Moses, Miriam and Aaron are right. You have sinned, and they've called you on it. And now I'm going to punish you for this sin which you have sinned against me that they have pointed out. Is that the way you remember the story? That's the way a lot of people think. Well, that's what they think will happen when they rebel. So Moses, God spoke suddenly to Moses. And verse 5, He came down on the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. Oh, he didn't, he didn't deal with Moses. He called Aaron and Miriam. They had just said, Hasn't God spoken with us? Haven't we spoken with God? Okay, God's coming to us. He heard us, and boy, this Moses is going to be castigated for this. Oops. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Eternal, will make myself known to him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. He says, This is generally the way I work. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Eternal shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? I got a feeling the hackles on their neck were beginning to kind of come up a little bit about that point. And the anger of the Eternal was kindled against them, not Moses. Both of them he was angry with. And he departed. The cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow apparently all over. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Leprosy would kill you, and it was an excruciating death because it just simply rots 
your skin and your bones and they fall off. And Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord! Ooh, has his attitude ever changed? I beseech you, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. God was gone by then. He said all he's going to say to Miriam and Aaron. That was it. <laughs> Wasn't very pretty, but it was quick. So he said, Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried to the Eternal, Heal her now, O God, I beseech you. So Moses didn't have an attitude toward Miriam and Aaron at this point. He knew they were disobeying God. He saw God dealing with them. And uh, he was being patient. They were his brother and sister. And the Eternal said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, she'd have to stay out of the camp seven days. You know, that's a small infraction. If her father just spit on her, she couldn't be around for seven days. So he said, shut her out seven days. And that happened. And they didn't journey until Marion was, Marion was brought in again. So uh, her leprosy was healed, and she was allowed back in the camp. So God was pretty merciful. Uh, and this, among the leadership of Israel, Moses, Miriam, and Aaron were right at the top of the thing. So, and two of the leaders had complained against the top leader. That didn't go over very well with God. So let's go to 13. Uh, God told Moses to send men into the land of Canaan and search it out and see how things were there. And he picked these guys and told them to go spy out the land of Canaan, verse 17, uh, and see, can we take them? See what the land is, and whether it be fat or lean, verse 20, uh, whether there be wood or not, and be you of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went out and searched along and so on. Uh, verse 23, they came into the brook of Eshcol and cut down from there a branch with one cluster of grapes, and it took two men with a staff to carry one bunch of grapes. Now, is that a land of plenty or not? They searched 40 days, verse 25. They searched it out pretty good, 40 days. doesn't tell about the story of Rahab here. That's another place, but uh, 40 days they were there. Verse 27 uh, they brought the report back and said, We came to the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. it sounds like Israel today, doesn't it? Land of milk and honey and huge blessings, and I'm being sarcastic. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and all these others are there. Uh, so he's talking about all these giants, and they're, they're beginning to build a case that this is too big for us. We're scared. Okay? Verse 30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So you got, what, ten men here saying, No way, we can't do this. And Caleb says, Shut up. 
we can do this. Let's go now. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report. Nice place, but we can't take it. We saw men of great stature, end of 32. Though there were giants there. The, the sons of Anak. So I guess they're not going to get to go into the promised land after all because there's just just too big a deal. God can't get them there. Where all has He taken them t- thus far? <laughs> and and these these guys in here, they're just too much for us. Now what happens? Go to chapter 14. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. All moaned and groaned and screamed and cried and wailed. We were going to go to the promised land, and now it's impossible because there's giants there. And all the children of Israel griped and complained against Moses and against Aaron. I don't like to use the word murmured. It sounds kind of like a quiet little thing. Uh, It was louder than that. And the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had died in the land of Mitzrayim, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? Wherefore has the Eternal brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Mitzrayim? When will we ever learn? Whenever will we learn? They said to one another, Let's get us a leader and return to Mitzrayim. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. There were four people there that still looked to God out of all those millions. (laughs) Four. Look around the room here, babes. <laughs> you know? What did we have, 150,000 a few years ago? They spoke to all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it, it is an exceedingly good land. If the Eternal delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not you against the eternal. Neither fear you the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the eternal is with us. Fear them not. For God be before us. Who can be against us? Basically. And, and they heard that and thought, well, that's good sound advice, Joshua. That's what we'll do. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Kill these guys that say you ought to obey God. The glory of the Eternal appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And he said to Moses, How long will this people provoke me? We should be learning something about our God here and be thankful for that His mercy endures forever. We would not be here today had God done what He felt like doing there. How long will it be before they believe me or for all the signs which I have showed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. 
and will make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. So again, he threatens to go through Moses and just wipe out the Israelites. So God spoke for them again and said, well, we don't want the Mitzrayimites to hear that God killed all these people that he had delivered in verse 16. So he beseeched God again. Uh, pardon their iniquity, verse 19. 20, the Eternal said, I have pardoned according to your word. Okay, Moses, I'll do it. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Eternal. Now, is that a statement where he is saying, I won't restrict this just to Israel in the future, but the whole earth will know my glory? And later on, he opened it up to the Gentiles, and in the millennium, everybody is going to be invited before God. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Mitzrayim and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, I didn't count them up, but God did. He said, this is the tenth time that they've absolutely rebelled after all I've done for them and have not hearkened to my voice. Oh, those ancient Israelites, they were horrible. They weren't like us today who do everything God says and obey His voice and follow everything He says. Again, I use a little sarcasm. Maybe quite a lot, actually. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has another spirit, another attitude, a different approach with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went. Sounds like it's a good idea when God gives a direction to go ahead and do what God says and follow what he says, because things will go well with you and uh, your carcass won't fall in the wilderness. Most of the New Testament church or the end-time church is going to have its carcasses fall in the wilderness, all but 10%. Some will repent before they die, but hey, things are just like they were. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Verse 27, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I've heard it, and I heard it, and I heard it. As truly as I live, says the Eternal, as you've spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Twenty-nine, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Age of accountability was twenty, not eighteen or twenty-one, but twenty. And uh, he did not hold them accountable up to that age. Verse 30, Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein, except Caleb and Joshua the son of Nun. Just those two men. That's all. But your little ones, which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. So anyone under 20 would go ahead and live, but everyone who was under 20 at the time of all this rebellion would die in the wilderness. So there was still a lot of people who went in with Joshua and Caleb, but they were the young ones who had not, uh, were not majority age and therefore not responsible in the same way. 
So he said in 33, Your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. And it'll be forty years, each day for a year. And then, God brought a plague. Verse 37, Those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the eternal. God expects positive attitudes. He expects for us to speak of the good and not the evil. Philippians 4.8 He wants us to dwell on the good and give a good report. He hates a false or evil report. He does not like negativity whatsoever. He wants us to have positive glass-half-full approaches, not the other way around. That is always the way he has been. So because those men said there's giants there and we can't take them, they died of a plague. But Joshua and Caleb, that went to search the land, lived still. And Moses told these things to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. Oh, and they got up in the morning. Now they'd seen these guys die. This plague. So they get up the next morning and they, they had mourned and said, Oh, we don't get to go in. We're going to die. We're going to wander 40 years out here. Oh, no. So they got up on the mountain and said, We'll go up to the place which the Eternal has promised. Well, we have sinned, but we're going to go anyway. And Moses said, Wherefore now do you transgress the commandment of the Eternal? It won't prosper. So they says. God said we can't go and we're going to die here, but I got news for God. We're going anyway. Okay? Moses says, Go not up, for the Eternal is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. He says, There's Amalekites and Canaanites, and you believe these guys that said you can't fight them and win. You know, sometimes we get what we ask for, don't we? Look at how this comes out. They're there, and you shall fall by the sword, because you are turned away from the Eternal. Therefore, the Eternal will not be with you. But they presume to go up to the hilltop. They don't listen to Moses anymore. We don't. God's not going to save us. He's already told us we're going to die. So they went on up to the hill, and nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Eternal and Moses departed not out of the camp. Moses says, you're, this is a fool's errand, people. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them even to Hormath. I don't know how far that was, but uh, they whipped them and killed them and chased them all the way to Hormath. So, they were right. There were giants in the land, and they couldn't fight them. But they had left out one element, the only element that mattered. God could have done it if they had just simply obeyed him. Now, are we getting faith when God tells us he's going to protect us here in the end time and he'll save us if we'll obey him and pay attention to his words and do what he says? Or will we go into the tribulation and die like these people did because we say God can't do that? God won't do miracles. Chapter 15. Uh... God spoke to Moses, said, speak to the people, 
says, when you come into the land of your habitations, which I give you, I'll make an offering by fire to the eternal. And you give these offerings and so on. Uh, let's see, what did I want to pick up here? Verse 30, the soul that does anything presumptuously, whether he would be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproaches the eternal, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Because he has despised the word of the eternal and has broken his commandment, that soul shall be utterly cut off, his iniquity shall be upon him. Then he talks about the Sabbath, and uh, let's see, I want to go to 16. Boy, here's another good lesson. Now, Korah, ever hear of this one? Now, they'd seen Miriam turn snow white with leprosy, just recently now. They'd seen those who gave an evil report and had negative attitudes die of the plague. They'd seen people who were presumptuous and says, we're going anyway, be defeated and killed. Now there rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, highly respected leaders under Moses, 250 of them. That's, that's a lot of leaders. They gathered themselves together against Moses. This is a conspiracy. It's not a theory. It's a conspiracy. They got together and plotted what they were going to do, and they were going to take Moses out because they were better leaders than Moses. <clears throat> they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. We're all converted. God speaks through us. We're just as good as you are. Matter of fact, I think we're a little better than you are. We're all holy. You ever hear that? Where have you heard that any time recently? I heard it in Worldwide Church of God. I've heard it since. I've heard it recently. The eternal is among them. Wherefore then, lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the eternal. You just look down on us. I remember people arguing back in Worldwide decades ago that there should not be a pulpit. There shouldn't be a stage that the minister stood on because he was putting himself above the people. Well, you sometimes have to get up a little higher to be seen. You know? I've seen people who are supposedly converted with attitudes just like these unconverted Israelites here. You'd think conversion, if there is any or much, would take care of this. When Moses heard this, he fell on his face. Oh, dear God, here it comes again. <laughs> when will this ever end? He spoke to Korah and all his 250 and everybody there, and there were other hangers-on, saying, Even tomorrow the Eternal will show who are His and who is holy, and will cause Him to come near to Him. Even Him whom He has chosen will He cause to come near to Him. Kind of like Miriam and Aaron standing there expectantly saying, God's going to speak to us and He's going to chastise Moses for this marriage. Okay, let's read on. So, they, he said, 
Okay, we'll all appear. We'll just see who God honors and who He doesn't. And whom He shall choose, He shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. Oh, he turns it around on them. Of course, they didn't believe him. Because they thought they were right. They really thought they were right. They had themselves decided that Moses was not capable of leading them and that they were just as good as him and they could lead better and therefore they were going to take Moses down. That's what they decided. Now, they thought they were right. They really, really thought they were right. And when they went to God that night... I'm sure they prayed and asked God to come and deliver them and speak to their cause and show that they were holy and that Moses and Aaron were not holy and that God should get rid of them. That's literally what they truly believed. With all their hearts, they believed that. Moses said to Korah, verse 8, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi, it seems but a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them. It, it doesn't seem, it just seems like a small thing to you. It isn't a big deal that God would choose you and bring you and put you in charge. You, you think this was a natural good thing, that, that God is behind it. And he has brought you near to him, and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, with you, and seek you the priesthood also. Well, while you're at it, why don't you become priests? You know? You might as well all, all ordain yourselves. For which cause both you and all the company are gathered together against the eternal, and what is Aaron that you've murmured against him? This, you know, this, is, this isn't any big deal, is it? So he sent to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and said, We will not, which said, We will not come up. Uh, and you brought us to kill us in the wilderness, except you make yourself altogether a prince over us. You're lording it over us, Moses. I've heard those words recently. You're lording it over us. Verse 14 You, you haven't brought us into a land that flowed with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. This is all Moses' fault that they're not in the promised land at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Moses had rebelled against God so often and so much and murmured against him. And he, he really, his intention all along was to take him out there and kill him. That's what he, you know, that's what he had decided to do. So Moses was very angry and said to the Eternal, Respect you your offering or not you, their offering, I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. I charged them $2,000 a month to live here. I just cheated them and stole everything they had. <laughs> Sorry. But it's, it's the same. It's exactly the same. Moses said to Korah, Be you and all your company before the Eternal tomorrow. And everybody bring his offering and everything. So Korah said, oh, we, we got this one. God's on our side. Verse 19, Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle and so on. And uh, God spoke to Moses and said, Aaron, I think you ought to get away from these people. Separate yourselves. Verse 21. 
And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and will you be wroth with all the congregation? They knew what God was going to do, and he said, Get away, don't stand near these guys. And Korah was the leader, so they, they were thinking, Just get rid of Korah. Well, you know, sometimes when you play follow the leader, it doesn't work out too well for you either. If the leader's going the wrong direction. You better be sure where God is leading and whom God has appointed and not go anywhere else because you might lead yourself into trouble. Anyway, verse 28, Moses says, Hereby you shall know that the Eternal has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own hand. God did this. I didn't do it, he said. God did it. If these men die, the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, if they live the natural death, in other words, then that means God hasn't sent me. But if the Eternal do a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain to them, and they go down quick into the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Eternal. Now, what have they done? They hadn't broken the Ten Commandments? Well, they had, but uh, all they'd done is said, we're just as good as you are. That's basically all they'd done. We're just as good as you are, Moses. In fact, we're a little better, and we should run things instead of you. That's all they'd done. You know, it was all idolatry and so on. I understand that, but, but that's all they had overtly done. <clears throat> it's 8 o'clock already. And it came to pass, verse 31, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained to Korah, and all their goods. So everyone who had uh, given any allegiance or followed the lead of Korah was swallowed up. They went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed on them, and they perished from among the congregation, just like that. And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. It scared them a lot, you know. When the earth opens and then closes again, that's scary. And there came out a fire from the eternal and consumed 250 men that offered incense. Not just those that swallowed up, but 250 more. Moses got talked to again. He said, Speak to Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, that he take the censers out of the burning and scatter the fire, for they are hallowed. These are the censers of the sinners against their own souls, and so on. Now, you would have thought that that would have just kind of shut things up and have been real quiet after that, wouldn't you? I, you know, that, that was a pretty astounding thing that occurred there. And I wouldn't think that an Israelite would dare whisper another word against God or Moses. I, you know, I, I think they learned their lesson here. This, is, this was probably the final chapter of their rebellion against God. This, this, this fixed it right here. So let's read on. Verse 41, But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Eternal. You have killed them. Did Moses get a shovel and dig a ditch real fast and shove them in and then cover it up quickly? They're still blaming Moses for their troubles. 
they weren't very quiet after all. It came to pass that they gathered against Moses and Aaron, and the cloud covered the congregation, and the glory of the Eternal appeared. Rutro, and Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle. The Eternal spoke to Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. I'm going to do to them the same thing I just did to Korah and those 250 guys and others. Get out of the way, Moses. Now, after all that Moses had seen, Moses was a pretty strong person. He may have been meek and humble, but he had power in his backbone. He didn't have a bad attitude toward God. He just knew God and believed God and trusted in God's characteristics of mercy, forgiveness, and love. He believed that. How else could he have done what he did? Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and go to the altar real quick, <laughs> for the wrath has gone out from the eternal and the plague has begun. So Aaron did, and he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague that God had started was stopped. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died about the matter of Korah. So by the, it, from the time it took Aaron to go and light a censer and, and do what Moses told him, and then to stand between the altar and the people, already nearly 15,000 had died. That probably straightened them out. That probably did the job. But it's 8.05, and we may not know till tomorrow <clears throat> what happened. Uh, well, let's go ahead and stop there. Sure is hard to get out of sin, isn't it?